0: Thank you. When Brother Dwayne approached me uh, probably a month or maybe six weeks ago, something like that, and asked me uh, if I would give my testimony on Baptist Men's Day, at the, uh, I heard at Baptist Men's Day breakfast. So I was prepared to give uh, you know my testimony to probably 35 to 50, maybe 75 men and only men. So... Uh, I, I was uh, I, my first reaction was what everyone says is let me think about it and if you know Brother Dwayne very well you, that means oh he's going to do it <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so he called me uh, I don't know maybe two or three months ago and then like a month ago he said hey don't forget we've got a date uh, the 27th and I'm like what's that date and he said well it's Baptist you know men's day you're going to give your testimony I'm like oh okay so, I, you know, I had, had, had prayed about it and decided that I was uh, was going to do that. Um, then last week, I got home and my wife said, your name's in the bulletin about your testimony, and I read that. And as I read it, it, it everything seemed okay up until the point that it said we we're going to be doing it during morning worship. So that was another shocker. And, uh, you know, originally it was five to ten minutes, and if anybody knows me, I can't tell a story in five minutes. It's impossible for me to do. I have to get into great detail and, and carry on. So, um, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the long and short of it is, is you know, my story is not that much different uh, than anyone else's uh, with the exception of, um, you know, me being able to share is only through God's power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a public speaker, but I'm going I'm to give it, uh, just tell you the truth, and, and, and uh, hopefully you know, someone will, will uh, get a benefit from it. Um, I'm going to start with uh, a verse out of Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request with God. Um, Prayer with intention. Pray with intention. Um, This morning at at the men's breakfast, uh, Matt Oshel spoke. And if you've never heard Matt, it it truly, um, you know, he spoke here two or three years ago on Father's Day. And one of the things that he spoke uh, to me you know that I heard was, you know, he said, it starts early, men. It starts early. Young fathers, you know, be in prayer for your children. Let them see and hear you read that Bible. Get it built into them early on in life. And, you know, that's not to say that you're not going to stray and bear away God's path. You know, and, Matt this morning uh, shared, uh, you know, that we all inherited sin, you know, from Adam. So now I know where I got it from, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm going to my note cards now. It's a condensed version here. Uh, one of the things uh, that uh, a member of AA. Uh, learns and a member uh, that has had an addiction of any type, uh, the serenity prayer. Uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's what, you know, if you've ever been to an AA meeting or an NA meeting or any type of uh, meeting of that sort, uh, that's, the, that's the verse that they call out loud, and I believe in higher power. Um, You know, for me, there's only one higher power. It's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But without Him, I would have nothing. Um, You know, the second part of that serenity prayer is living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships and the pathway to peace, Um, taking as He did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it trusting that He will make all things right if I surrender to His will, that I may be reasonable, reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Him forever in the next life. Um, that means a special uh, meaning to me because, you know, uh, as you'll find out later on, you know, when I was, about eight years ago, I had a, uh, a serious, serious problem that had gone on for a long time. And, you know, one of the first things after I, um, you know, came out of rehabilitation was I went to the uh, AA meetings, and it's a worldly meeting there. It's you know, it's not like anything, if you've never been to one, um, you know, I wasn't comfortable in that room, not because I was not, a, I am an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic. It wasn't because of that, it was because, this higher power thing. To me, I didn't understand how everyone else in that room would have their higher power could be whatever. And believe me, I've heard several different higher powers. And, you know, you know that first meeting, you know, I went in that room, and, you know, I said, you know, for me, for me the only higher power that I know is, is Jesus Christ. And, you know, after the meeting, I had several people come over and, you know, kind of give me some affirmation, you know, that, you know, this is, um, you know, it's, it's well spoken, you know, man, that's that's what we're supposed to be, that's what Christians are supposed to do, Amen. share the word of God. Amen. Um, so bear with me as I uh, present to you my testimony. Um, like like uh, Matt said today in Ephesians, we are all children of wrath, so we've inherited sin, Um from Adam. Um, my first recollection of, you know, being in church or going to church, some of my fondest memories of, uh, you know, when I was very young, uh, going to church, I remember getting dressed up for Easter, going to my grandmother's afterwards, going to the farm, taking pictures, um, and you know, we were in church, my uh, mom, for those of you who don't know, my name's Michael Maynard and I've lived in Harrisburg my entire life. Uh, my mom and dad are Terry and Linda Maynard. Um, and, you know, they had me at church uh, every Sunday, um, you know, probably from as long as I can remember. Um, so I was raised, you know, in vacation Bible school. I was raised, uh, I went to McKinley Church uh, for years and years. Um, and I what I really recall, you know, I remember going to church. I remember going... To you know Bible verses, and I remember all that. Um, but it, in junior high, we had a youth rally uh, at McKinley, and there was an older group of youth. I'm I'm, I'm guessing their ages, uh, probably 17 to 21, 22, and we were having a revival, and they came, and you know they led some of the worship services, and they stayed at our at my parents' home, and uh, you know, I went out there, and I was in. Uh, sixth grade and I went out there and I listened to those uh, they, they allowed me to sit out there and listen to everything and I heard um, you know them gather around and, and pray I heard them um, you know singing songs and I that whole week they stayed with us every night I went out there and I was listening to their stories and every night one of those um, you know young adults were given a testimony and I, I guess it was because I related to that age group and I you know um, you know, they were a little older than me, but I sat there and listened to those, st- those stories. And, you know, I didn't realize at the time that I could not get everything I was listening was just it was absorbing through me. And, and I know now I was under conviction. Um, and, you know, some of, the, some of the stories that they told that night, um, you know, was about creation. You know, how could anything but God create this world that we live in? Um, and you know that struck home. And then you know, one of the, I said, you know, I said, I tell all my friends, you know, uh, you know, when when I'm witnessing to them, you know, it says right here in this book that I'm holding, you'll just give it a chance. You know, he said, my fear is that I've got you know friends and classmates that I know have never heard the word of God. And he said, I don't. You know, I want have everlasting life and I want that for everyone. And you know, it's one thing I know for sure is that I do not want to you know have live in an everlasting hell. And, you know, that definitely registered. So I'm sitting there and that that night I you know, I I bet I didn't sleep a wink that night. Next morning I remember getting up and and, and the first thing I did was I I got down on one knee and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you please uh, forgive me of my sins? And, uh, you know, I, that's the day that I let Jesus in my heart. Now, that was in the sixth grade. It was about a year uh, a year afterwards that I made that, you know, profession of faith and, and uh, was baptized. Um, you know, I remember uh, lots of things from McKinley. I remember T.A. Sullivan was always in the back row where all the youth at McKinley, you know, kind of hung out. And, uh, um, you know, lots of great memories uh, in that time. But, but uh, somehow between that seventh, eighth grade year, um, I, I got lost. I got off path. Um, you know, I, I made a lot of bad choices. Uh, I made bad choices of friends. Um I didn't stay active in church. I got away from it. And uh, you know, I tell everyone, it's just like any habit, if good or bad. If you get away from it for a long time, it's real easy to once you stop doing something and get out of that habit of going. It's real easy to, you know, for that to just continue. Um, and I, you know, I, I got, out, got into high school, continued with bad choices, got with some, uh, some of the wrong crowd. Not, not bad people, just bad choices. Um, you know, uh, my wife, Lucy, my high school sweetheart, um, she always was the type that felt like, you know, she knew I was making bad choices. But she saw that, that through all the bad choices I was making, she felt that my heart was good. Um, and, you know, she trusted in me um, and stuck with me through, you know, uh, loved me when I was unlovable through a lot lot of times, Um, you know, and and I know she was in constant prayer for me. I know that now, and and I knew it then. Um, But we were married, um, and in 1985, uh, you know, we were blessed with my daughter, Callie Dawn. Um, 1985, uh, I'm a young 21-year-old person, and, you know, I've determined then, after graduating, and going to work, that you know, some of these friends were going to have to change. Uh, you know, and I started back faithfully going to church. Uh, you know, taking my daughter to church, but just taking her to church—that's that's great. They're going to hear things they need to hear, but the life that you li- that you live in front of those kids—if uh, you think they're not listening. Think again. Uh, if you think they're not watching, think again. Um, so I determined it was time to grow up. I could grow up that I was going to change the way that I was living my life. Um, I gave up on some of the friends. I gave up on most of the bad habits, except for the alcohol. And alcohol had a grip on me from the first time I took a drink. Um dad's dad uh, was an alcoholic. Um, my dad introduced me to a man named Joe, probably when I was about fifth grade. And uh, my brother was there as well, so he was in sixth grade, I believe. And I remember my mom said, we were at home, and he said she got us in the car and said, your dad wants me to bring you to the store. And uh, so we went down to Harrisburg Hardware at the time on Parker Plaza. And there was a man there. Uh, and you could tell something was wrong with him. I had no idea what was wrong with him at the time. I hadn't, that I could recall seeing anyone that was staggering drunk before. And uh, I could tell that my dad was agitated. I knew that something, you know, was not right. And, and I, was, I was scared because I didn't know who this man was. And uh, finally, he... Headed down the hallway and out the back door, and and uh, my dad said, "Boys, I want you to look." He said, "That's Joe. He's an alcoholic, and that's your grandpa." And I said, "I didn't know what to think of." And he said, "That's what alcohol can do to a life, you know." And you know, it wasn't. It was a few years later, but I do. I, I do remember when, when uh, my grandfather, I call him Joe, yeah. I had two grandfathers, I never really knew Joe. But he, when he passed away, all he had was a box, a shoebox, and the clothes that he had on his back. And in that shoebox, there were things that were memories to him. He was a, a Golden Glove boxing champion in Chicago, and he had little cutouts of that. But he didn't have anything about my dad. Or anything that you would you know you might find, you know, in a keepsake box because that, that's all it was was little bitty trinkets that he had. And uh, you know, I remember going to the funeral and, and you know, I remember, you know, it, it just just in, I guess I was just in awe of, you know, how my dad could have been a good uh, role model. And you know, how did he learn that? Where did where did that come from? Um, so the warning signs were there every you know people would say, listen to your father, do what they say um, but I just I, I just I guess I wasn't ready to make the right decisions um, later on in life I uh, In 1990, again, I was still active in church, still going to church. Um, I wasn't uncontrollable and out of total control yet, but I was still, you know, I would go out and I would uh, drink and I would uh, sometimes say things, do things that were not appropriate uh, and just wasn't living my life right. I was living, walking away from God. Every night I would pray, you know, I, I never gave up on God. God never gave up on me. Uh, but I just walked away from him. Um, in 1990, uh, I had a uh, best friend that was killed in a car accident. And it was a very rough time. And it was rough for me. It was rough for my uh, children and wife. Uh, and I slipped into a very, very deep depression. Um, I was lost. The whole time, my family was praying for me. They loved me no matter what, just like my Jesus does. Um, So, like I said, had I not been in church, even though I was not living the right life, had I not been in church. I don't know that I would have survived it. I really don't know that I would have. Um, that was March 4th, 1990, that that happened. Uh, March 24th of 1990, I was. Uh, Lucy and I were both blessed with our second child, Kayla Marie. Um, and I saw her born... I knew I was lost um, and I looked at that baby and I said Lord please you know um let me get control of this let me get control of this um you know I can do this I know I can I've always been able to set a goal and be able to do it I've always been able to do that um but it was I was I was struggling um Continued to struggle. Um, was a good father up, uh, to my children. I again was in charge when I would didn't I wouldn't drink at the time. I was able to control my drinking habits. I was a functional alcoholic. I didn't know what a functional alcoholic was until 2005. That's when I found out what a functional alcoholic was. Um, so again, um, above all the warnings, I still was unable to um, to heed it um so in from 90 to 94 um, life went on in church uh, if I was to drink and you know I had several times I would quit for six months a year I could quit I'd get a little out of hand I, I I'd just if I could just quit uh, no problem um, 1994 um, my wife and I were having some problems uh, of course the, at the time I'm. Uh, it's all her uh, it's not me uh, you know it's, I just can't I'm, I'm just tired of all the arguing bickering not being able to see that it, the problem was me the problem was alcohol the problem was I was away from the Lord um continually making bad choices. Um, In um, 1994, after about a four-month separation, God brought us back together. Um, My wife believed in me, and she was willing to fight for me. And because of her faith... She was able to uh, to to see my imperfections as, as, as just that. Um, 1995, after our uh, we came back together as a family, um, we had Castie Parker Maynard, um, my baby girl, and uh, you no know, further. Next, after we got back together, I I quit drinking. For about two years, absolute abstinence. Um, Everything was good. Life was good. Um, And then, at a campsite, we got called out to go, and we went. And I again fell. After you know, when you you some people and alcohol can work. Some people can have a casual drink. Alcoholics don't know what that is. Um, I went to uh, a place where there was alcohol involved, and I had several people ask, you know, Carrie, won't you have a drink? Have a drink. I said no, three or four times, and finally I said okay. Uh, I drank a beer, I drank a second beer. And after two years and three months, um, my wife saw that I was drinking the beer, and she came home and said, We better go. I know what that meant, and so that night uh, I made an excuse to go when I got home, and I went out and bought me a bottle. And uh, from 1996 until 2005, I drank every day, nonstop. I would, you know, not get belligerently drunk, but I, it was—I would hide it. I would have to have it. I was convinced that I, every night I would go to bed. I would look at myself. Like, I hated myself. You know, I could see that my family was catching on. They knew that I was drinking. They knew that I was losing touch. Um, and, you know, I would just look at myself and, you know, tomorrow you are not going to drink. Tomorrow you're not going to drink. Um, I just uh, didn't have control. Um, again, functioning, functioning fine. Never a problem being at work. Never a problem, uh, you know, getting in trouble. Anything like that. You know, I was... I guess if there is such a thing as a cautious person, I was cautious about the way that I... You know, I knew it was wrong, so I was very good at hiding it. Um, After the nine years of ups and downs, um, I went in January. um, My... Drinking had gotten uncontrollable. It was, it was the last two weeks were worse than the last ten years. When it just transgressed, it got worse. Every time I would stop and start back up, it would get worse. Um, I would pray constantly, you know, God help me. Help me. Um, in January... my family had had enough um, and my wife came to me and she said if you don't do something about this we're not going to be able to take it anymore Um, you know so I I went into a rehab facility I was in there about 10 days um, and started seeing repetition and I'd learned I had an education about alcohol I'd never had that other than warnings, you know. And I had friends that would, that would say, hey, you know, you, you might ought to take it easy. Uh, you might mm-hmm. ought to slow down. Uh, you know, things that people that love you will tell you. Um, and, and finally, after that education period, I came uh, out of there with, uh, you know, sobriety, that I hadn't had in about nine years. Um, and for about 90 days, I did fantastic. And something about something that I think I knew all along was that I was going to try to drink again. I knew it. When I left there, I thought, I'll be able to control it because I've had all these friends and social life, and I wanted to go here, and I wanted to still be go out in public, and, you know, you couldn't have any fun. That's the way I saw it. Cloud of judgment. I thought I couldn't have fun unless that was part of my life. Um, so about 90 days out of rehab, um, I decided I was going to have a beer. And I had a beer. And the second beer, and then by the next morning, by noon the next day, I was drunk. And this time it was worse because I was drunk in front of everyone. So everything that I've learned, that if you start back, you're going to be where you were. And it's true, and it's um, a miracle that, you know, because I heard stories that you just could not believe Uh, in rehab. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Um, But I still hadn't done what God wanted me to do. I hadn't laid it all out and and done what he was wanting me to do the entire time. Um, I've got a friend, uh, and... His life had been changed, very similar to mine. Uh, You know, he uh, was out doing worldly things, you know, running, drinking substances, things like that. Same, same struggles that I had. Uh, You know, very much the same. he had come into my life, and I don't really recall just exactly how we met or how it all started, but uh, the day that after I woke up and sobered up and realized, you know, that I was out of a job um, for at least three months, had no money coming in, had lots of bills to pay. Um, he had no idea, but he just, he just showed up at the house. And I was sitting outside on the uh, porch, and he came pulling in. He said, "Well, I saw your truck wasn't at work." And he said, "I just thought I'd see if you were off today." And I think he was off the time, or, or I don't know why God sent him there. Um, but I told him, I said, he knew I'd been to rehab. He knew that, uh, you know, he. But he didn't know that I had a relapse. Um, and he said, uh, "I said I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm." I don't know where to turn. And uh, he said, well, why don't we pray? And uh, his story, again, you know, his story is completely different to mine. He was under conviction, and he got introduced to a... uh, uh, Someone had asked him to come to church, and the first time he came into church, he realized he was living wrong. He wanted better for his child. He wanted better for his wife. And he went into that church, and that day he was delivered. And he felt it. It was lifted from his shoulders that day, and he knew it. It was a miracle. So, you know, I'd heard that story, and I'm like, gosh, I wish, I wish that could happen for me. Uh, and you could, it was a parent, you could see it immediately his shine, his everything about his world had changed and all for the better. Uh, yeah, there's problems. He had problems, sure. He had worries, sure. But with God, all things were possible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his life was was changed and, and it just you know, was was that quick. And I remember we were sitting out in his truck and he pulled in, I just went over there and sat down. And he said, Let's just, just let's just pray about it. And uh, I remember I I prayed out loud and I said, Lord Um, please Lord I can't do this I can't do this alone would you please take this from me Would would you take this from me and within an instant I had a feeling that I've never had I can't describe it um, I know right now the hairs on my arms are standing up or I'm saying, but it was a feeling I've never had. And I asked God, take it from me. That's all he wanted me to say. Um, take it from me, and I felt it taken from me. Um, yeah. Do I have struggles? Yes. Still, yes, I do. Um, everyone has struggles. Uh, now I don't look for anything. Um other than when I feel if I feel weak, if I feel it, and I need strength, I know what to do. I'm prepared, and I was prepared from a young age. I was there throughout. Um, you know, and the miracle um, that I felt that day, which is exactly what I believe it was, um, and you know what God has done for me since that time, what He's done for me my entire life, is He's molded me. To, to possibly and, and again, um, you know, with um, with my addiction, I feel like a lot of times God puts people in my path, um, you know, and, and I'm trying my best to uh, to help people that has the same problems that I've had, um, you know. So it's if it's if it's one o'clock in the morning and I'm riding down uh, to take someone to rehab that's what God wants me to do um, um, so I, again you know God's helping me witness to people that have, have the problem that I have um, what has God done in my life God knew that Lucy Manor was going to be my wife and that Callie Manor was going to be my daughter and that he had controlled my life all along. He had a path that he wanted me to go down. And I resisted that path. And when I turned my life over to God, everything changed. Amen. Uh, Amen. One of the stories um, in uh, the rehab the facility that I went to was uh, there was a man, two men. One man probably, I'm going to guess he was mid-fifties and uh, maybe lower fifties and another man was probably about thirty-five and he's telling a story um, um, one guy introduces him to this and so he's been sober for sixteen years I believe at the time and he said um, he goes up and he said you know my wife I came home from work my wife was gone everything was gone and this guy's been sober for sixteen years um, and the first night that he his wife left. He just decided, you know, he was getting in his truck and he was determined he was going to go have a drink. Uh, he doesn't know why he did it. He just knows that he did. Um, the next thing he remembers, he w- wakes up in a hospital. And uh, there's people moving around and there's a couple he doesn't know that are praying at the end of his bed. So, um, you know, when he wakes up, he finds out that what has happened is that he had gone to the bar left the bar drunk, has a head-on collision, and kills a young man, 17 years old, that's getting ready to go to, uh, I think, University of California with a full scholarship in tennis. this was around the Nashville area. Um, He crossed the median, hit the car head-on, killed the young man uh, instantly. Um, That was his first time he had drank since. It came time to go to court. The parents of the young man that were killed are there before the judge asking the judge for leniency. Um, And that night, the man that introduced the 50 some odd year old man that introduced him that night, the guest speaker told his story that was the dad of the boy. And they had forgiven him uh, instantly because of their relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the stories like that, there's so many of them. Um, but, you know, if they can forgive someone for that, that tells you how, how well grounded they are in their faith. Um, I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot in there. All walks of life that, you know, um, it affects everyone. Um Again, you know, living by example, um, rising up, uh, learning how to be, become the man that God wants you to be. Um, this uh, verse, Philippians 4.6, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Mm -hmm. Don't think you can do it. I thought I could do it. Until I prayed, Lord, take this from me. Mm -hmm. You ask and you will receive. Amen. Amen. Looking back in, in a lot of the things that uh, that have happened in my life and, and where I have been and where I am now in my walk with the Lord, um, one of the ever-present things that uh, that I always you know will, will come back to is, for me, being in the church and knowing about God, what if I never learned about God? If I didn't know what I had learned, the, you know, the bare bones. Facts, the basics. Without, without the, without that, you know, what do you have? Where do they turn? And and I see that, and I think statistically, that's why people that are in church and people that go to Christian rehabilitation centers, which I did not. I had a chapel. I had a preacher. I had that I've searched out, but it wasn't, you know, a Christian based But Christian based facilities, treatment centers, the. Have a, I believe it's a 70% greater likelihood that you'll recover if you attend one of those. Yeah. Amen. Because God's in it. Amen. That's why. Yeah, um, I just, I, I, I really thank this church for welcoming me when I came to this church. Um, I was welcomed with open arms. Um, I needed a change just because everything else in my life needed to change. And, and I came here right after I get, um, was out of re- rehab. Um, and, you know, this church has accepted me. And, and I, I thank everyone here for just letting me speak and, and giving me uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, to show what God's done in my life. Um, again, it, about four years ago, um I was getting not weak, but I was going through some struggles. I wasn't thinking about alcohol or thinking about reaching for alcohol, but I just had, I felt like I, there was something in my life that wasn't there that I was missing. And, you know, maybe not under the greatest circumstance, but, you know, the Lord delivered me a grandson. And that is exactly, He knew what I needed. And that's exactly what He did for me. So without, uh, without the Lord and in the Lord's love, you have nothing. Thank you. Amen.